0: Okay, I've got uh, Ben Kirby from Preachers and Sneakers with me today for what I think is going to be a really really fun conversation. Uh, Ben, this is a treat. All I have to say is the Lord really does work in mysterious colorways.
1: Yes, yes, he does. This is (laughs) is, so thanks for thanks for having me, man. This is fun and uh, it's a unique experience getting to a podcast with somebody from Iraq. I'm not sure if people know that. Yeah, yeah, I know that's where you are. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So pretty cool. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. Uh, very intrigued with your story, and but I appreciate you giving me some time.
0: No, no, yeah, this is this is uh, I think a really like we were just chatting with uh, before we hit the record button, a really um, important conversation. But Let, let's start here for those of you who my listeners who have never lived in the comment section of preachers and sneakers, which is a volatile yes place, especially thrived for sure. in the comment section. <laughs> yeah, with a thrived. big quote. Yeah, some people have died in the comment section and some people have thrived in the comment section, probably depending on Mm -hmm. whose picture is listed above and Uh uh, your view of them. Uh, Give us just a a snapshot of your story um, and the conversation that you, I don't know if you, honestly, I don't know, did you want to start the conversation that you started or was this all just kind of like a funny thing that you got yourself into?
1: Yeah, I definitely didn't want to initially. I'm, I'm just this average knucklehead dude from Louisiana and spent some time in the Marines and then in the business world. Um, and then I was back in business school here in Dallas, getting my MBA and had some free time. And was also flipping sneakers, like buying low and selling high certain sneakers to kind of help make ends meet while we were doing the like no income life when I was getting my MBA. And uh, one day in March of 2019, I just noticed a worship leader on YouTube, wearing a pair of Yeezys that were reselling for like 800 to to $1,000. And again, like I had a personal Instagram following of maybe 350 people. And uh, just whatever, for whatever reason that day felt stirred to make some videos saying basically like, hey, this is an elevation worship. Music video. I was like, hey, Elevation Worship, how do I get on the payroll if y'all can, basically <laughs> if you're, people can wear $800 Yeezy's. It was stupid. It was misinformed. It was like not meant to stir anything or drive a conversation. I didn't want to talk any further about it. Like I didn't, I was naive in a lot of ways, but sure. uh, I, I made a few videos with that stuff and, and YouTube served up all the other musicians and pastors that dressed the same way. The YouTube algorithm is pretty powerful. Yeah. And I realized there's just this whole network of people that are wearing super expensive clothing. And what it turned into was me just reposting pastors' photos from their own Instagram, putting the price tag or the market value of what they were wearing right next to it. And then people uh, literally imploded. Like they the people lost their did, mind. They lost their mind. People did not know how to handle like one the sticker shock to the idea that anybody would ever question a celebrity pastor even like the most in the most gentle way ever and um and then cue a ton of kind of arguing back and forth about whether what i was doing was appropriate also whether what they were doing was appropriate and so ever since then it's turned into like a discussion piece about um a discussion piece and like a tool for introspection i think to Get people to wrestle with questions about our modern christianity the way we do church in the west very differently from iraq um yeah yeah but (laughs) all these kind of secondary and tertiary things that are very much in your face about church in the west uh, but actually have some real implications if we don't address them or at least start to address them yeah did you come up with the name preachers and sneakers because it's the perfect name i did there was a few things um At the start of the account that i i i've had very few moments prolonged moments like this where creatively i just felt inspired like inspired at every step of the way where i was just thinking of stuff like the the name came to me in minutes if if not seconds and then the captions i would just basically find a photo and do my little graphic thing and then i would just at it and just write a caption and people would think it was hilarious. And I was like, what is this? I don't, I've, I have no background in writing or comedy or anything. And um, it was this weird, like prolonged months of inspiration where I'd, everything I was putting down seemed to get a rise out of people or make people laugh or be a new angle of seeing things. So people were interested in that. And I was, um, I've since, you know, depleted that creative store, I think. Um, and, but it was fun at the time and yes, the, the name came pretty quickly, uh, which makes, you know, affirms that it was divine inspiration. Right There you go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And when, what was the moment that the, that it went viral? Like, was there something that put it over, over the edge and you, your account just you know all of a sudden blew up
1: yeah it went in a few stages one uh, a buddy of mine that's in the music industry had like ten thousand followers or something he was the base he was the one that encouraged me to start the account because originally i was like oh I'm just these videos are funny a, a few people responded being shocked about the sticker price that kind of thing and that was it like i had no intention of starting an account or a movement or a discussion or whatever but this guy texted me um basically encouraging me to start the account because there was a ton of content, ton of content. And so once I started posting those things under the preachers and seekers name, he posted on his stories that got in front of a few people that were pretty influential that started it to grow a good bit. Um, and then some of the pastors started noticing and commenting, which basically threw gas on the fire, because it legitimized or it basically. I don't know, cemented itself in the this Instagram church culture or whatever. And so um that's when the media started paying attention. And once the media got a hold of it, um, it really blew up. So it's crazy. I mean, there were certain days where I was getting like twenty thousand new followers a day, and I'm just this guy with my phone sitting here in this house, like what And no one knows who you are. Obviously. No one knows who I am. Yeah. Yeah, no one knows who I am. The uh just like the I, most
0: I, ironic part of the whole thing right yeah. it's it's this account about people who are very famous uh, because of their preaching and the guy pointing out no one knows because i remember reading all the articles going you know this this man of mystery and nobody knows who he is and, da, 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 da. and it, i mean it's great it was literally you couldn't have scripted it any better than than that
1: yeah it, it, i definitely Probably would have scripted it differently, I think. But <laughs> it was cool. The, the, first, the first year or so of doing that was really cool. It's like not many people get to experience that where you do this thing that's causing a stir, and nobody really, other than your really, really close people, know that it's you causing a stir. And it's like it's more power than I think anybody should really ever feel. Because like a post from my phone with my thumb could uh make its way in front of tens of thousands of eyeballs and could potentially sway people's perceptions about certain things. It's like, it's, it was crazy.
0: Yeah. Well, I think you've started kind of two conversations and I want to have both of them. If we, if we can, um, one is about the issue of celebrity in the church. And that is a largely a uniquely modern American, uh, I don't know, a problem or phenomenon would be a better word, I think,
1: mm-hmm.
0: at, at least to the extent that it has. And the other is the social media conversation, and because those, the reason that we have largely this celebrity phenomenon now—not the only reason, but it's the accelerant on the fire—is yes. social media. Yes. And so, um, and your account really, I think, kind of critiques and opens up conversations about. Both of those. So let maybe let's start with the social media aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, why should Christians have social media at this point? Can I just? I'll, I'll just put my cards on the bill. I'm kind of a social media cynic,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the reason is is as someone who has been a college young adult pastor and worked really exclusively with that um, age range, you know, 20s and into you know, into early thirties, you just see the devastation that social media has on people. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure I buy the argument anymore that social media can do all of these good things hmm. because yeah, it can do all of these good things, but even those good things, they, the good things only exist in this larger context of essentially addiction. Yeah. And is it okay to give someone who is addicted to their phone a good hit quote unquote, because it's coming from a, you know, a better source, but it's right. still, it's still keeping people attached to their phone. So I just to up front, lay my cards on the table. So, so, you know, kind of where I'm coming at the conversation. It's why I don't have any social media. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how have you, I mean, what, what do you see as the relationship between a Christian who's thinking responsibly about their position in the world and this relatively new thing that's only, you know, 10 years old at this point mm-hmm. called social media and how those two things, how we should engage that. Should we engage it in what way um, from what you've seen in the firestorm that you've lived here the last, you know, two years or three years or whatever it's been.
1: If I, if I write, Another book ever. It's going to be about this because it's uh, it is such a complex topic. But Christians have basically glazed over it as just an accepted form or accepted part of being in society, like social media. As in a vacuum, is amoral to a lot of people. But if you if you read any of the data about the kind of widespread effects of having this much access to everybody's lives, you now have to contend with whether or not you're part of adding to anxiety, adding anxiety and depression into uh, people's lives. And uh, it's just proven that prolonged exposure to social media causes anxiety and depression in a lot of people it doesn't make like very uh physical anxiety um and as christians we have to really wrestle with the heart behind why we're consuming it and why we're posting it because it is just so quickly becomes this narcissistic pursuit even if it's like passive, not malicious or whatever. It's like, hey, look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at my life. Look what I'm experiencing. Validate what I'm experiencing. And what is all that? That is just like so counter to what we're called to in like as far as making Christ's name greater than our own. It's like, dude, this this whole thing is about uh making our name amplified, even if we have a small circle. And so I'm with you in that like I think there's going to come a time where we're going to have to make a real decision about it because it's it's got all of the components of any other kind of addictive substance. Like I have an addictive personality or an obsessive personality, and uh, I can burn hours and hours and hours on social media without producing anything and just making myself feel worse about ever like about my job, about my life, about my house, all that kind of stuff. Um, so like at a baseline level, that just isn't healthy. Like why have a why have a phone or a program control your mood, bro? Um, so to, to your point about some of the good, like, I don't know, there, there are people out there that are, that are achieving things that never, that could have never done that without it. Like my buddy, Carlos Whitaker, who just raised like a hundred thousand dollars for this guy in the airport that needed it like there's there's some things in in time with social media like all right that's great yeah, yeah like that's absolutely. great um but uh to you, kind of to your philosophical point is like is that moment in time uh does that justify this massive freaking i don't know what you would call it this massive cloud over society i think where it's causing people to really like kill themselves over what they're consuming or posting or interacting with online, like all the comment section kind of stuff. Um, I think at least in my circles and what I've experienced in Christian culture, we haven't taken the fact that social media in general can cause people to sin and instead have treated it just like a tool, which I think at a base, it started as just a tool. But now as somebody that has, now it's just like rambling, but as somebody that has a pretty big platform, I've felt firsthand the effects of having like tens of thousands of people input their opinion into what I'm doing or what I've said or what I posted or whatever. And our brains just aren't, our brains and hearts aren't equipped to be able to handle that at all. And so you scale that out times every person ever, even, If you have a smaller platform or a bigger platform, there's very few humans out there that can compartmentalize that in a way that is healthy. And so if that's the case, and we're willing to admit that we're not equipped to handle that kind of input, then like, what are we doing? And um, yeah, so I think, you know, it's like a rich person saying money doesn't make you happy. Like, I realize I have a big platform. It has served me. It is the reason that you and I are talking. Uh, But I also want to be the type of person that is willing to ask about the very thing that benefited him. Um, in, in hopes that it displays like, hey, it's okay to do this, and also I don't have all the answers, but I I would like to pursue the answers. And if that if that comes down to like, getting rid of social media altogether, then so be it. Um, but I, so to I guess I'm this is the people pleaser in me, but I like I agree with you for the most part. I think there can be some good that's done by social media, but the, like the bigger philosophical question that I don't have an answer for is Does it justify all the anxiety and depression it's caused? I I don't know how you I don't know how you weight that. Yeah, you can't quantify that. And but at least when I ask about it or wrestle with that, and not just say like, yeah, follow us on Instagram. Like all these churches, like even my church this past weekend, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. It's like, dude, you're giving an alcoholic a drink, bro. Yeah, Uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, this is
0: exactly, and that was going to be my next question: is to point even more of a point on it. What your account and what your story has, I think, illuminated is the church is, I think, largely bought into this idea that if we can leverage social media um, and use it for good purposes, uh, it will produce good things, only good things. And that, I think, is the I think is Naive. actually the key mistake. It's, it's, they think it will only produce good things because we are good people and we serve a good God. And therefore, anything that we use for his purpose will only produce good things. But yeah. I, I think you just have to even take a reading of scripture and realize that everything that good that gets used for God's purposes doesn't just only produce good things. Good things produce bad results all of the time. And yeah, I I guess I'm, I'm worried too, that the church has um, bought into this idea that if we just make ourselves a brand that appeals to enough people, uh, that we can leverage the tools of the world for good. And I just, A, I don't know if that's the, maybe you can speak into this. I don't know if that's the church's calling to just to be that. And two, I don't know if that's possible, um, just on a baseline level, I don't know if it's possible for the church to actually leverage this gigantic complex thing called mm-hmm. the internet and use it for only good purposes. Th- that seems to me kind of like a fool's errand, um, mm-hmm. that it's, it is actually only going to, in the long run, not only, but it is going to produce lots of bad things, not just good things.
1: What yeah. are your... Uh, the, it's interesting how social media, there's like this whole, okay, a couple things. There's pockets of kind of modern churches that see part of the calling of church to define culture or to influence culture. And so that is a big... I mean, social media basically communicates culture across the globe. And so it's a short leap to say, all right, now we need to leverage social media because we wanna be ahead of the culture. And so how else do we show the world at scale that we're ahead of culture, we're defining culture? That, that seems like maybe, the, I mean, there's some smart people, seemingly smart people that hold that view and maybe there's basis to it i haven't studied whether or not we're called to either lead or adopt or change culture or whatever um but it seems like an ancillary thing to add on to like making disciples like it seems right. like a very like expensive right. long-winded way of getting to making disciples um the it's also used as like definition of success like there's and nobody is saying this or is the authority on this, but there is clear elements of your social media presence that def- help define how successful your ministry your church is perceived, perceived. Um, and so, of course, like the guys with the best social media presence and presentation are getting the most bookings and book deals and conference placements, all that kind of stuff. and it it kind of builds on it on each other. and so it it inherently builds this own brand that is separate from uh, the, the whole point of being a pastor uh, or a preacher. And so at a minimum, it at least adds more stuff that you've got to navigate through if you base your ministry on social media. Like sure, the, the response is like, well, how else am I gonna reach hundreds of thousands of people for free um, at scale? It's like, all right, maybe, but are you really called to that as one man I mean, specifically, if we're talking about as a pastor, like, are you not called to shepherd where you're at? And not, um, and so maybe preachers and pastors maybe are two different things. But uh, it seems like we kind of got away from defining what the role is. And we just kind of lumped the role of pastor in with like preacher and motivational speaker. And so now you can kind of do it all. And in turn, you do nothing or like you, you reach people at a a surface level without digging deeper. And that's what I think, I'm pretty sure that's what a pastor is called to, is to like help shepherd the spiritual lives of the people where you're placed. Um, It's pretty hard to help in a deeper way, help people spiritualize from afar, I think.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I remember when, you know, in the whole Carl Lentz story, scandal was blowing up one of the common things that I read in a bunch of those articles was when he started hanging out with celebrities and getting social media, kind of uh, more social media influence, he stepped away from most of his roles in any day-to-day thing with the church and with the people of the church. And he kind of turned into the guy who stands on stage in front of the camera uh, because he has this reach. because, And you can justify it really easily, I think, because you can say, well, listen, there's a thousand people here or however many, and there's a million that follow me on Instagram, whatever. And so who are you going to be talking to in your own subconscious? I mean, you're going to justify, well, let me try and reach these people. And you see that shift, even as these some of these churches get bigger and bigger, reaches the kind of the spearhead guy, the face of it ends up having to spend more time trying to talk to the people out there because that's where the reach is. And then Mm -hmm. so obviously social media becomes the platform for that. And then on our end as consumers, what I worry about. And then, and then maybe we can transition to the celebrity question as consumers of this. What I really worry about is it's going to eat away and, and I think COVID did not help this. It's going to eat away at people's perceived need for actually coming together as the church. Because if I can just get carte blanche the best preaching anywhere that I want, and I can get the best worship music anywhere that I want, and I can now connect all of these. I mean, I just read, I think it was in the New York Times, an article that Facebook is... Mm-hmm reaching i don't know if you read this article are starting the
1: headlines about some kind of prayer function
0: yeah they they have a bunch of new programs that they have piloted with different uh churches and religious organizations and things like that and prayer functions and all of this kind of stuff but at the very end of this article uh it's i think a hillsong pastor i think from miami i can't remember i don't know what city he was from, but he, uh, I think is kind of this Freudian slip. It's the very last line of the article. He's making a comment about, Hey, really, uh, us and Facebook are both just trying to serve the consumer. And then the quote is, I mean, parishioner, right? I mean, he calls his, uh, the own people (laughs) consumer. Um, and what I worry is not just on the pastor end, because that's just one one person, and most of us are never going to be that person. What I really worry about more is on the other end, is that actually the church is just, uh, for all of our preaching against consumerism, with our left hand, we're preaching against consumerism, and with our right hand, we are upholding the very thing and platforms and enabling the platforms that create consumers. Mainly, we're spending more time, money, energy in developing our own online brands and personalities and mm-hmm. whatever to get people to consume our own content. Yep. Um, and the effect that that's going to have on, on the actual church, what do you, what are your thoughts on, I mean, you obviously talk mainly about the preachers. What are your concerns on the flip side of that with the normal churchgoer, someone like yourself, just this normal guy who just wants to show up on Sunday morning. And, you know, during video announcements, you get this reminder every week, make sure you follow us on Instagram
1: and on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think consumer is the right title over parishioner. I mean, we, we, as the quote unquote consumer have created this entire culture, like these pastors and preachers did not create the system by which you could get rich and famous off of preaching. It is because we want motivating, well put together, attractive speaking, teaching and music. Um, and there is such a market for it that these guys have been able to grow massive platforms because they're just given what the people want. I mean, uh, it's a real indictment on people that are <sighs> some plenty of people, this is all they've known or like they, they weren't didn't grow up churched or have no experience with Christianity. And they're invited to come to a super fresh, you know, Instagram pastor service. And they're like, Oh, this is tight. If this is what it is, this is yeah, tight. Yeah. Like, yeah, let's do this. But that's what it stays. Like it stays that let me go. The music was dope. Whoa. That speech was fire. And, uh, I'm happy to give to that that. But then it's it doesn't call you to anything. It doesn't call you to sacrifice anything, repent, or uh you know, act out of like as a byproduct of the faith that you're be a Christian developing by <laughs> the actually yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what I was that's what I was getting. At. It's a little more concise way of putting it. Um and so it's like I'm not it just doesn't seem at a, at a minimum it doesn't seem like it produces much fruit it just produces better facilities better budgets better production because it's we have this churn of people coming in to consume and then they bounce or they move or they get have something bad happen in their life and they stop going to church or whatever they have no there's a lot of people out there that are going to church that have no chance of getting into like intimate community where you're getting challenged and getting like truly known by other other Christians. And that's a detriment, I think. And if your church is really there, like the seeker sensitive thing where you're just trying to get people in the doors is just one aspect of the Christian life, dude. Like you're sitting on so much more. Like you're, we're called to make disciples and we're not called to make freaking consumers. And uh, many churches are operated in a way that just gets people in the door and that's it and you can it's evidenced but like you can see it on instagram and on youtube like the, the sermons are weak sauce and like i'm no i'm not this like the gospel coalition like hardcore like we gotta you know do away with all modern sounding things but i i think objectively it doesn't call you too much the the sermons that are getting the most hype are not calling you too much because they're the most palatable like it doesn't make you feel uncomfortable um yeah they're and- life lessons and Helps you you with your helps you with your daily problems. How are you going to get your promotion? How are you going to fix this relationship? That kind of stuff, and that's just I think um, doing a disservice to the people of God, Um, and I I think that's where I'm going to stop. I I, I had another thought, but okay, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, Let's let's switch over to kind of the the other side of that coin, and that is we have this machine called social media, that is, I, we're going to look back in 50 years, because we're only, you know, a decade into this, we're going to look back in 50 years. And I think our kids are going to go, what the heck?
1: Yeah, we're insane.
0: Uh, we're insane. And like you said, the thing that in the, the church culture that that has produced is it has produced these select few celebrities, and not all of them are the same you know, Michael Todd and John Piper are not, they are both celebrity pastors, but in very different ways. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if John, Michael Todd and John Piper have ever been compared before, but. No, that's know, quite the yin and yang. Yeah. You get the, you get it here first. is top notch. And, uh, <laughs> but we, we have this machine that h- h- creates this uh, this space for a, young charismatic like what you said good looking good speaking person to get up on stage and that person and i think i i completely understand the logic says i need to look the part if i'm going to be reaching young people mainly and i'm going to be reaching the masses in the culture you know most of them don't want john piper with his 1992 suits you know that they just don't want it it's right or wrong they just look at it and go i don't that's not relatable right that's That's what i
1: grew up with and i'm i don't want to do anything that i grew up with right
0: right and you know that's not authentic and blah 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 blah, 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 whatever yep but yo this dude's got some you know travis scott air you know jordan ones on and some Mm -hmm. and a gucci belt like Like sign me up
1: I'll give him the time of day.
0: Yeah. 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 He looks, I mean, he looks the part and what do you make of the, just the phenomenon of these celebrity pastors. And then obviously specifically the issue you're pointing at the dress, the shoes and the, the perceived need to, to fit the bill, to look the part and to put the bill to, look that part, you know, to pay the money to look that part. I mean, I don't know what, what's the, do you know, what's the most expensive thing that you've had on your feed? Do you know? Uh, uh,
1: I think it was John Gray's Supreme Louis Vuitton jacket. That was like 10,000 retail.
0: Oh man. True story. I was at a conference when I was in high school. John Gray was one of the speakers was down at Jensen Franklin's church down in georgia and john gray was he was the youth pastor there i think at the time and he was kind of the the mc of the weekend and he fell off the stage and broke his foot at the at the conference Kid you not he (laughs) fell and then the next day came back with a big boot on he broke his foot oh no that's my john gray story and then it was years later i saw him on like oprah and i was like hey that's the guy that i remember i was at this conference and i was like 17 and he broke his foot he's on oprah (laughs) now like what in the world um Give me your. I guess you've thought, obviously. I think by now, obviously, have thought a ton about this, about mm-hmm. this uh, thing of celebrity pastors and what they wear and the money that they pay to do that and the possible problems with that. I guess I'll just throw the the wide open question to you about what your your thoughts are at this point um,
1: on that whole that whole thing. Yeah, I. Before people start like preparing to judge me like I do not claim to be the authority on well that's why I had you what, on here you are the authority <laughs> what piece of clothing is appropriate uh, or not like yeah. all I can do is comment on what I see yeah, and yeah comment on the patterns that I see like any one of these dudes probably has some kind of nuanced situation by which they acquired shoes or jackets or whatever and I'm not prepared to talk on it like I have no clue how anybody got these but it is interesting by wearing some of these things you're at a minimum communicating that you can afford to not sell those things and these guys know full well how much this stuff is worth and so like if you know for a fact somebody out there is willing to pay a thousand dollars for your pair of shoes you're basically saying i'd rather wear these than have the a thousand dollars in front so, of you yeah yeah so you have to at least be okay with that and if you could be secure in that decision then so be it um i, I do I mean, a lot of this is on us as the consumers by creating the space where you can build this massive platform. And I mean, it's really like a pretty good money making prospect because once your platform starts growing, then the book deals start coming. Then you can sell merch. Then you can go to conferences, then you can freaking make music albums and be cited as a songwriter for your church's albums. Like, dude, there's tons of articles. Um, <sighs> it's shocking to me that this like whole culture has existed for so long and it doesn't, I, I've basically written a whole book on this, but it like, it doesn't seem there were many people out there that were like, Hey, this is very, this is making much of man in every context. Like this is putting somebody up on a pedestal. And, uh, clearly they have tens of thousands of people that are there to watch them. Uh, isn't, is nobody does nobody want to fight against this like clearly we're buying buying into this idea that the best speakers and performers are going to get the biggest platforms like I don't I don't care if you have a big platform technically but specifically for the role of pastor which is not without definition like it it has actual requirements you you don't get to enjoy or i don't think you should be able to enjoy all the benefits of fame and celebrity because it's like that's playing with fire for your role bro like you're called to point people to jesus and it's pretty hard to point people to jesus when you're also getting people to point to you i I just don't know how you do that in a healthy way and i mean we also have to watch all the like multiple people a year have their ministries eroded by some moral failure and we sit back and be like, man, so sad. Yeah. We'll keep, uh, we'll keep idolizing the best speakers out there and hoping that they can, I guess, get through fame and money and all that unscathed, dude. It's just like insanity. So at a minimum, I think it's playing with fire if you're not even trying to address like, dude, I'm, I'm nobody like God has given me these talents. I am no one. Like you don't come to my church, bro. Like you come to God's church. And if you're not, uh, I think obnoxiously pointing that out to people, then it's making it pretty easy for people to just see you as larger than life, as a celebrity, as somebody to be idolized. Yeah. And you know, one thing I hear a lot is in
0: these kind of conversations, or I've had some of these conversations too, is they'll say, "Well, yeah, but listen, uh, that's what's going to reach the culture." And Paul even said to the Jews, I became a Jew, and to the Greeks, I became a Greek, and blah, 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 blah. So we need to, if this is how we're going to get people to pay attention, then, hey, isn't that what Paul did? What I don't think that argument works precisely because if you just read a few paragraphs before that, Paul clearly tells him like, I could have had benefit from preaching, and I didn't take any of it. And I didn't take any of it for your sake, and so we can't turn around and use the "I want to, I need to take on some of the culture to reach the culture." As as and and use, I don't think anyway that verse. And that's the one that I seems to always come up, um, at least in the things that I've um, been a part of. It's like, well, no, I don't think that's what Paul's saying. Paul isn't saying, "Hey, if you want to reach people." who wear $10,000 jackets and think that that's cool. You should actually just do that to get them to pay attention to you. And then you can reach them because just earlier he said, listen, I didn't take any benefit. In fact, I did the opposite of that. I laid down all of my benefits for your sake. I forsook all of my benefits for your sake. And what I, I think What bothers me most about the uh, idea of celebrity pastor is it seems celebrity pastor goes completely against that grain of scripture. Like you were just pointing out is we're called to, especially pastors, I think as a pastor, myself are called to lay down our lives for the benefit of other people at our own expense. That's just the gig. Like you said, a pastor is is not an undefined role. It's very clearly defined.
1: And I'm not, I'm not like laying out those requirements, bro. Like I'm not. I would love it, if, yeah, yeah, if you were able, able to just use your platform to get whatever you wanted, bro. But it's just like the word says it. Like yeah, I'm not yeah, saying yeah. it. And right. so at, on the front end, it sounds judgy. Like, hey, wait, who are you to say this guy can't do this? Like, dude, I'm not. Yeah, All yeah. I'm saying is, it seems like pastors are called to a very specific thing. And there are certain uh, activities or benefits or whatever out there that make it hard to continue doing that role in its entirety or its purity. Um, Yeah. And even if you wearing, these
0: guys should be aware enough and I, they have to be, I just have to believe that they are aware enough to know if I put on these $900 Yeezys, people are going to know, and that is going to, affect people in a certain way. And so I, at some point, the idea of because people ask me, well, then how much is too much? You know, is $300 too much is $500. And to me, that completely misses the question. That's the wrong question. The question is, will this cause how will this affect other people? And that's going to be different in different circumstances, you're going to be able to get away with more. If you're preaching in downtown New York City, Mm-hmm. Than you are in South Central Minnesota where I grew up, where it's farming people. That like the 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 contexts are too two different. So the answer is going to be different. If I wore $250 shoes at in some churches in my hometown, they would freak out. You know, <laughs> that's like an average pair of shoes if you're walking around in Manhattan LA. or San Francisco or LA or something. Like so it's not, there yeah. isn't this one size so it's all, but they do have to be aware enough to realize. Yeah. If I put this on, if I wear this Gucci belt and purposely tuck in my shirt so everyone can see the double G's, that is going to say something, even if it was a gift, correct? Because that's what everybody says. That was given to me. I don't have to pay for it. You still have to be aware enough to know this is going to affect people in a certain way. And on, and this gets back to the social media conversation and on social media. And
1: therefore, I shouldn't do it. I don't think. It's not fair but no brands communicate things. Even if it's like the incorrect story, you, it's the whole like $10,000 BMW versus a $60,000 suburban bro. Like brands communicate <laughs> something, even if it's a, an unfair message. And it seems to me that like before the account, some dudes just were unaware. Like we're completely naive of the fact that $1,200 shoes would upset people, but now they definitely know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and i don't i'll I'll maybe learn in heaven if that was a net positive or a net negative but uh they definitely know now and so yeah, yeah. have you had it
0: have you had any of them reach out to you privately and been a positive or upset i would think probably both yeah
1: yeah uh both i mean i've i've talked with judah i've talked with carl i've talked with freaking nathan finocchio i've talked with chris derso i've talked with uh Several others like commented passive aggressive stuff in the comments. There's been a couple where I've seen them like, there's a couple people I'm not interested in talking to that that sent me some message requests, clearly trying to just fight and I didn't engage with them. But yeah, I mean, I've had, early on was when I had the most conversations because it was in everybody's face. And um, some people were angry, some people understood but disagreed and other people thought it was a benefit. Like at the this is a shameless plug but at the end of my audiobook there's an interview with Judah Smith um that he agreed to do with me as part of the audiobook and he he validates what I do like he says like he felt it was a helpful tool for accountability and bringing people down to earth and I didn't prescribe that like I I didn't I had no interest in being a, a source of accountability for mega church pastors I like I'm nobody, but he saw that as a positive byproduct, And so like, it's always great to hear that from somebody that's at least self-aware and secure enough to say like, look, some of the stuff I was, I was wearing was ridiculous and I gave it away and I appreciate what you did. So I don't, I can't remember where I was going with that, but, um, oh, you asked if, if people reached out. So yes, I talked with many of them.
0: Yeah. And have you, um, I mean, you've had some conversations with them. Have you guys, I mean, Judith Smith just, I guess, maybe this answered my question. Judith Smith said, hey, you actually helped me think through it. Has anyone else, you don't have to name names, but have you been able to have productive conversations or is it more of just like, hey, what the heck, dude? Why are you, even though the you're biggest, pulling these all from their
1: own Instagram, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah so that's another um, ironic part.
1: Yeah, the, the biggest dudes either ignored me or or like wtf the kind of the mid i don't know if you call it mid-range up-and-coming dudes or more open to having a discussion like the guy that i that inspired me to start the account like the first video i watched this guy mac brock who used to be the worship leader at elevation him and i i would consider him a friend now like he did he didn't appreciate people roasting him but he was chill about it and understood. And we had several conversations in person, um, about it all. And that was, that felt really fulfilling to me. And I was like, I don't, I find no, uh, satisfaction in people being mean spirited to another person. And some people on the internet are incapable of, uh, having a nuanced discussion without being mean. Everyone on Twitter. Yeah. 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 And so I, I recognize that people are mean to each other and mean to some of the people I post about. I don't know how much of a responsibility that is of mine to like control grown people's behavior, but uh, I at least acknowledge it and don't feel good about that. But I also don't know how else really I would have been able to achieve this, like being able to get people talking at this level about a thing that nobody was talking about. Um, how do you, so.
0: yeah, how do you feel like so these celebrity pastors, or these up, maybe these up and comers, better question, in your view now, sifting through some of this, having some of those conversations, what do you think uh, in your expert authoritative <laughs> opinion, how should they handle that? Okay, you're, you are up and coming, people are starting to pay attention to you, and you're now aware because this ig account of preachers and sneakers has forced the conversation on anyone and yeah. i want to handle this in the best way most thoughtful way i mean it's just your opinion but how what would you look at someone and be like hey you know what i think he's kind of handling this the right way in personal conduct and even how maybe he's engaging ministerially
1: yeah there's a there's a few things like i stole the idea that um what we post on social media causes others to envy our lives from jonathan picluda who's a he used to be a pastor at my church at watermark he's a pastor in waco now and great
0: interview you did with him on your own pod yeah
1: yeah yeah. i mean that was a very like that was a very like perspective defining discussion for me like even if nobody listened to it because he really clearly outlined like hey dude you need to really care about uh how people are Uh, consuming what you post. Like, dude, there's a chance that you're causing them to envy. And if that's the case, you're sinning. um, If you're a Christian. And so he, he's open about, he loves to market. He loves to post all the time. He loves to show people his vacations, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, he just went to Hawaii like a week or two ago and had this whole, basically saying, being honest, like, Hey, I struggle with the middle ground between wanting to post this to show people like hey we went on a great vacation and not wanting to do that very thing to cause people because i know no not everybody can go to hawaii that kind of thing um just showing an effort i think communicates a ton where it says like i don't have it all together and i'm not pompous about the idea that i was gifted this trip to hawaii or whatever like i i at least acknowledge that not everybody can do it that shows some self-awareness and some humility that I think is um, very appreciative uh, or by, I mean, a lot of people appreciate that. And then there's, I think you can't, I don't think you can argue with the idea that like your clothing sends a message. And so there's a couple guys out there that kind of dress minimalist that just the functionally that makes more sense to me. If you're an actual pastor where it's like, don't look at me. Like I'm not trying to draw attention to myself at all. So guys like uh, I've never met him, but like Ben Stewart in DC, uh, is a pastor and he just wears all black all the time, and it's not like a goth thing. It's just like I'm a minimalist, or at least I'm dressing minimalist like this. Same with like John Mark Comer, I think dresses like that. Guys that are that are trying to overindex on it, at least appearing that it's not about them. Um, I like that, and so that's like, I think if you're vocal about the tension about being gifted nice things, being uh, having good experiences because you have leadership and power. I I think you have to at least address those things. And also I think the, okay, the biggest part is having a community around you that can speak into it. So like, if, if people are roasting you about a car that you got or whatever, but your community around you knows that you've, uh, been saving and savings and like being really diligent with your money have been giving super generously to the point where it's like painful then just be secure and driving your car like haters are going to hate as long as you have people that can speak into your life in a true way that know you. Because if you're living your life based off the opinions of others online, you're just going to literally have an anxiety attack and die. Um, (laughs) There there could be some, I mean, there could be some validity in what people are saying. I'm not saying don't be open to that, but it's really key to have a couple people, even just one person around you that actually knows you, that could speak into like, hey, you do you do kind of love posting about yourself or like, Hey dude, you posted one vacation pic from Hawaii. They can relax. You're fine. Um, I think that's, I think that's huge for anybody really. Yeah.
0: Um, all right. We'll, we'll go with one more important question. So, uh, I love cause I'm a sports nut. Uh, I love Mount Rushmore's. So I have a Mount Rushmore okay. for almost anything in sports. Most Iraq's of the-, the big
1: sports, sports country, <laughs> yeah right yeah
0: just sports everywhere <laughs> bro I, It's so it's been challenging to keep up with the nba when i have to stay up till two three four in the morning just to watch games uh but i do yeah, that's pretty i thankfully my team stinks so i don't have much incentive <laughs> a lot of times that's mm-hmm. a timberwolves fan uh you know we just sell hope we don't win any win that's any right. games actually uh give me your give
1: me your amount rushmore because you're a shoe guy yourself yeah you I was and until I mean I have a 4 month old now so it's yeah, yeah. pretty hard to okay. uh justify anymore but inherently I do yes okay. I really love sneakers and but just I don't buy them anymore
0: All right give me your mount uh, we'll leave with this give me your mount rushmore of sneakers that if you had to buy 4 and you just had the okay. money against everything that we had just talked about Yeah yeah you're yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're buying you're buying the four sneakers
1: Uh, I would get the, uh, let's see, Atmos Nike Air Max 1s, which are these like turquoise blue and elephant print Air Max 1s. Yep. Uh, I would get the Shattered Backboard Jordan 1s. Oh, yeah. The orange orange and black ones. Mm -hmm. That's like, I think, my favorite pair of shoes. Um, I would get the, oh, there's so many. Options. I guess I'd probably go with. Hmm, just give me a second, because there's just so many to, to cycle through. I would get the probably the. I mean, are these to wear or just to own? It's two different things. You're I mean. in the weeds right now. I love it. You're like, do I have to wear? It? Do I have okay. to wear? It? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you can um, just own I would say. Okay, I would say. Okay, then I would say maybe the uh, Kobe Air Max or not Kobe Jordan Three Pack. Mm-hmm. It's like the Lakers Kobe Jordan Three Packs. Like, are you, super. A, del- are you a Lakers fan? No, no. Okay, it's, All it's right. Like, praise God. Like 40, okay, because then 000. I wouldn't be able to post. <laughs> if you're a Lakers fan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, absolutely not. And uh, I'd probably the get the. Carhartt m&m Jordan 4s, which sell for like thirty thousand. Oh. As an just like as an asset piece, you know. Just as a <laughs> pay for your so like to wear, probably college. The, that's right. So like probably to to wear the the Nike Atmos Air Max Ones and the Shadow Backboard Jordan ones. And then maybe the uh All right. the Kobe Jordan three pack and the uh Carhartt fours. All right, and you can justify the Car hearts to everybody on the
0: sneakers and preachers page by saying it's going to pay for my kid's college. That's right. That's right. I literally bought this
1: as an asset. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So uh, if people want to follow you, um, uh,
1: follow what you're doing, where, uh, where should I send them? Uh, Preachersandsneakers.com is the best place. I think it's where you can buy the book. And if the book is, is basically all of my thoughts about all these things and uh, is the, if you have questions or think I'm a jerk, if you read the book and still think I'm a jerk, then so be it. But I think nah, uh, you can't read that book f-
0: and think you're a jerk. I think you did a great job on it.
1: Well, thank you. Thanks for reading it. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah preaching and uh, to buy the book or Instagram at preachers and sneakers. I've slowed down a bit just because I'm trying to be a parent and not be a freaking jerk dad. Sure. And so yeah. Instagram is one of the first things to go. So um, yeah, preaching
0: Okay, cool. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for coming on the pod. And um, yeah, this was, I think, a, a great conversation. Hopefully, hopefully people wrestle with how much they pay for their sneakers now.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate you having me, man. Yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely.